The Cincinnati Reds continue the fireworks as they're starting to get recognition for it as well. We'll tell you what that means and whether the Reds should move India around to make room for the young guys. Coming up on today's Locked On Reds. You are Locked On Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Reds. Thanks for making Locked On Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and we are free and available on all podcasting platforms because we are your team every day. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker, alongside Jeff Carr, and we are diehard baseball fans. We have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds. We have taken our love of the game, our passion for baseball, and we have turned that passion into information for you. We want to thank those of you that listen every day. If you are an everydayer, let us know. Put something in the comment section or hit us up on Twitter. We want to hear from you. On today's podcast, we are going to talk about the Reds' big night at Fenway Park. Uh, we're also going to get into Matt McClain being named the player of the week in the National League. Uh, we're also going to try and make sense of the roster. We're going to make the roster make sense. We're going to we're going to explain it to you. That's what we're going to do. And finally, Jeff is going to tell us why he thinks the Reds are a statistical oddity this season. Before we get into all of that, I want to shout out the sponsor of today's podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by FanDuel. FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today to get started. All right, Jeff, speaking of getting started, let's get started. Let's talk about the offensive explosion out at Fenway Park from these red legs. <laughs> yeah, and I'll tell you what, Steve, I, I really thought that game was going to go a different way. I thought this was going to be one of those games where you're just like, oh my goodness, they can't do any wrong. Look at that. They clobbered the Red Sox, and you know what I know? There is no possible chance that this team will be boring this year. Whether they are in a boring lead or a boring deficit, they're going to figure out a way to make it interesting, as they did on Tuesday night. It was very, uh, a very stressful event there, but the way that the Reds and the Red Sox finished this game was definitely not the way that the first eight, really seven innings went as soon as Fernando Cruz came in and then Eduardo Salazar in the ninth inning. That's when things really got interesting for the Red Sox. But up until that point, the Reds had some phenomenal performances that really helped them win this game. You know, I just want to say for the record that I said Salazar should already be back in Louisville. So if they had listened to me, this would not have happened. I, I want to tell you, we need to shout out your guy because he finally had himself a game. You've been waiting and waiting and waiting to be able to do this, Jeff. Talk about your guy. Just when I think I'm out, he pulls me back in. That's Will Benson, if you Remember, early on this season, I was trying to tell you, get excited, jump on the bandwagon, get ready for the Will Benson experience, and then nothing happened. Nothing really got going. We never left the station. He had two hits coming into tonight. He now has five hits because he had three last night in Fenway, including his first career triple. And we saw, I mean, we said this as we watched him kind of struggle through the first month of the season, we knew as soon as this guy got on base, sparks were going to fly. 
He got on base three times tonight. He scored three runs. That is the M.O. Get Will Benson on base. Absolutely phenomenal night from him. Jose Barrero comes up with the only hit in with, with runners in scoring position. The Reds were one for 15 with runners in scoring position, and they scored nine runs because his one hit was a grand slam off the light pole over the green monster, a, a just monster shot. And it's funny because there's that, you know, the uh, is, thing is a bot on Twitter called Would It Dong talking about like how many ballparks a home run that home run would have been in. And because it hit the light post, it threw the bot off. And the bot's like, this would only be a home run in two ballparks in Major League Baseball, and Great American Ballpark would not be one of them. It didn't see the trajectory of this home run. This thing would have been a home run in every park ever made. Like, it was crushed with a capital K. You you have to love this particular moment for Jose Barrero. This yes. is a guy that has been looking over his shoulder, that has been be, been told since the beginning of the season that the others are coming for him, and yeah. then hasn't performed well. So you have to think that this was just one of those great rare moments where he hits this bomb, grand slam home run, historic Fenway Park, and just gets to go in the dugout and celebrate for a minute and be like, ah... finally something good and because we've always heard like as he's coming up he's got power this guy can hit he can really hit the ball a long way and this was only his second career home run like we just haven't seen it from him throughout his career or second home run of this season i'm sorry i got that mixed up on the stat thing there um but the way that he was able to play in this game steve if he turns it around if he really becomes something I think that this is the game we'll point to because not only was it the grand slam, but also he began what I believe is to this point, the fielding play of the year for the Reds. It was a, a high fly ball that bounces off, not the top of the green monster, but the upper area of the green monster. And he has to field it off the wall, get the bounce just right. You had a runner on first for the Red Sox. Kike Hernandez was coming home, trying to score from first on this play, but Barrero fields it cleanly off the hop, throws it into McLean. beautiful strike. Matt McLean then turns around, another beautiful strike to Tyler Stevenson, and he had enough time to make a sandwich and eat it before he had to apply the tag to Kike Hernandez. Ryan. It was the most beautiful play, but Jose Barrero just had a night, dude. That's that's the one of those plays where you can, you know, play it on replay for the young guys and and say yeah. this is how it's done. You know, gather your little league team around the old television and say this is how we do a relay guys. That was one of those plays. And, and Tyler Stevenson making a sandwich. That that <laughs> I would like to see that parody happen. Listen, you know, you called it right at the beginning of this segment, Jeff. This team is not going to be boring. They are always going to make things exciting. And I think that's what we said all along, right? I mean, we talked about it for spring training that sometimes they were going to lose. Sometimes games were going to get away, but they were going to be exciting to watch. And I love that they managed to hang on and win this one. Uh, Let me ask you this. This one did almost get away, though. And (laughs) we talked about Salazar a little bit. Uh, What move would you like to see there to strengthen the bullpen and get Salazar out because I, I just don't think he's I don't think he's the answer out there I think he needs to go 
the annoying thing is, I think the only reason he's up here is because of injuries. Um, in fact, they were talking about it while he was pitching in the ninth inning, John Sadek and Chris Welsh, they said the reason he's up here is because of the injury to Casey Legamina. And yeah, Casey Legamina is hurt. Um, I mean, you think about the guys that are on the injured list right now that are normally in the bullpen, or at least we were counting on them to be in the bullpen on opening day or, or thinking about them like Casey Legamina. Uh, Rivar San Martin is on the injured list. You've only got one lefty, which really is going to be an interesting uh, dynamic to the final two games of this series because the Red Sox have 465 lefties in their nine-man lineup. So the Reds need to figure out something because Alex Young can't pitch every single inning out of the bullpen. They're going to have to figure out what to do there. I do know that Luke Weaver has a nice changeup he can kind of mess with here, but we saw it whenever Salazar came in. Dude was just throwing beach balls up there, and whether it was nerves, whether it was whatever, I mean, maybe they told him, like, hey, look, we're up by six you don't necessarily have to paint the corners. So then for some reason he was putting it on a tee. Like, I mean, Red Sox hitters were crushing this dude and it was to the point. And you said this, you're like, yeah, it got close there at the end. The weirdest stat. If someone's looking at the box score of this game, and they didn't watch this game. There's just like, man, this must've been a tight, you know, nip and tuck race when it came to the game. no, the fact that Alexis Diaz had to come in and get his 13th save of the season is just absolutely strange and probably the strangest thing about this game. Well, let's let's talk about Alexis for just a second. But I, before we get to him, I do want to talk about the starter before we talk about the closer. And Ben Lively, once again, once this again. guy goes five and two-thirds innings, allows four hits, strikes out six while only walking two. Jeff, his ERA is 1.99 right now. One point. He is pitching like Luis Castillo right now. I don't understand it. I am sorry, Ben. I ever doubted you. I apologize. This is some amazing stuff from him right now. You've got to love it. And a shout out to missing linky go on Twitter. I was messaging with him during the game and he's just like, Ben lively reminds me of Alfredo Simon. Like whenever the reds started Alfredo Simon and we're just like, yeah, sure. Whatever. And then he took off. Like Ben Lively's better than that. I think we think about Alfredo Simon in such a nice way because we were able to turn him into Eugenio Suarez. Could we do that with Ben Lively? Could we turn him into something like that? Could he be even more? Could he be part of this rotation? He continues to impress me. And it, you know, I hesitate to say this because it sounds like I'm down on the guy, but like, it's like when you go to see a movie and you have no expectations and then you come away being like, man, that was pretty good. Like we had no expectations for Ben Lively. And people keep saying, should I have known about this guy? No, there's no reason you should have known about Ben Lively. And he's coming out of nowhere. He's pitching phenomenally and he's giving the Reds some key, key innings because this team, Steve just refuses to be boring in any way, shape or form. Because speaking of boring, boring teams don't talk about moving their captain around. But the Reds do. In fact, there might have been a rumor that me and Steve both hate because we ain't trading Jonathan India. And we're going to tell you why coming up here in just a moment. I can't believe we actually have to have this conversation. Before we get into that, though, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors today, and that is FanDuel. FanDuel has this amazing no sweat first bet right now that you need to take advantage of because you can get up to 
$2,500 back in your first bet if it doesn't win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to sign up and place your first bet, and you'll be opted in to the no sweat first bet of up to $2,500 because you can check out the props, the lines, the money lines, the, the point spreads and everything in between, whether you're talking about baseball, if you want to get in on the NBA finals that are about to start the Stanley cup finals that are about to get going, lots of great stuff is going on over at FanDuel. And you know what? Looking at tonight's game, the reds and the red Sox. the reds are plus one forty six to win today. Yeah underdog against the Red Sox, even though they just beat them. But an interesting prop for me is something I'm looking at. Spencer Steer to get three plus total bases in tonight's game is plus 210. Thinking about that one, I think he's going to smack a home run. The The Reds were all over the green monster last night, but there's plenty of bases to be had. So check him out, FanDuel dot com slash locked on and take advantage of the no sweat first bet of up to two thousand five hundred dollars when you join FanDuel today. FanDuel is an official partner of Major League Baseball. Coming up tonight, seven ten p.m. Eastern Time. Luke Dream Weaver is on the mound against the Big Maple, James Paxton, for the Red Sox. What a weird name. The Big Maple, although I'm sure opposing teams thought Adam Dunn's nickname of the Big Donkey was even weirder. But hey, you can catch every pitch of the hometown broadcast for your Cincinnati Reds on SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search Reds. And before Steve and I really get into this conversation about why we're not trading Jonathan India and why we even have to have this discussion in the first place, I got to shout this out because you're in the big leagues for two weeks probably just trying to get your legs underneath you, trying to keep your head above water, but then you go and you win NL player of the week. And when you look at it, so, okay, he had an amazing week, right? He hits almost 500. He has two dongs, seven RBIs, just absolutely hitting the cover off the ball. The American league player of the week, Julio Rodriguez ever heard of him. Of course you have. Everybody has Matt McClain outplayed. Julio Rodriguez. So if they had a major league baseball player of the week, it'd be Matt McClain and man of uh, many words. Matt McClain had this to say about his award. Uh, yeah, it's cool. It's an honor. <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> I love that guy. He's a man of many words. <laughs> I love that guy. He's, he's so easy to root for. And he's just, he's a baseball player, but you know, Steve, his performance and the continued performance of Ellie De La Cruz, hello, walk off last night, um, has obviously put the Reds roster in an interesting, very good problem because, well, both guys are middle infielders and, uh, the Reds already have a pretty good dude playing second base right now. Some people are saying, let's move them around. Some people are saying, let's trade them. Looking at you, Athletic, not sure what that idea was. Um, We're not trading him, though, Steve. I mean, this roster needs to move for Jonathan India, not Jonathan India needs to move for the roster. Yes and no. Um, Look, as far as trading him goes, you were the one that said we should trade him in the offseason. He had hashtag. No, no, no. 
it, they should absolutely not even consider this right now. Uh, they should be talking to him about an extension. Moving him around, though, listen, nobody has the market cornered on a position on this infield. The Reds can be their most effective when they've got four guys that can play five different positions. So you can move dudes around when they're tired. You can move dudes around when they need a change of pace. You can move guys around when someone's nicked up a little bit. It gives the Reds a lot of flexibility. And Jonathan India is not that special that he is exempt from that. I want to see him get some reps in the outfield and learn to play a corner outfield. I want to see him some at DH. Here's why my concern comes from. We've seen things like this before where suddenly every member of the local media starts to talk about a thing and there's usually a reason for it. So did somebody go to Jonathan India and ask him to start doing some things and he pushed back? Did somebody ask him to start taking some reps in the outfield and he said, wait a minute? Uh, I'm not sure, but usually when Cincinnati starts chirping like this, because listen, make no mistake that those that run the Reds clubhouse and those that control the Cincinnati media, they only let out what they want to let out. We've yeah. seen that for a lot of years. This stuff doesn't just come out of nowhere because somebody made it up. Uh, and for Rosecrans and Rosenthal to get together on this story, it makes me think somebody said something and they're trying to force Jonathan's hand a little bit. That's what I think. Now, I don't have any evidence to support that other than that's my speculation because of the way things have always gone in this town. But mm -hmm. Jonathan India should not be traded, but he should definitely learn to play another spot or two. And, and I think that there is a little bit of not necessarily sticker shock, but maybe worry at what the sticker might look like with Scott Boris as his agent. And so maybe they're kicking the tires on that. I don't know. Like, I know this. The team is much better with him than without him. And I feel like it's more than just the box score. It's more than just he's a really awesome top third of the order type hitter. It, it, it's his leadership ability. The uh, pretty much everybody that talks in a post game interview talks about how Jonathan India keyed this or, or India was this kind of guy that we really kind of follow his leader. India said this or India did they're saying India's name a lot. So if you remove him from this roster, I don't think this is a scenario of, well, you just remove them, you replace them with Ellie De La Cruz, and maybe you get some really awesome prospects that are ready in a couple of years or something like that, and, and you just keep the churn going. I think at some point you got to stop this whole idea of we can add more prospects if we trade somebody, because then you never actually do have a major league team. You just constantly have a triple A team that everybody wants to go see. And then in a couple of years, those guys get traded away. I, I hate the idea that people are considering this. I, I feel like Jonathan India as well. And again, this is us looking from the outside in on Jonathan India, his mentality makes me believe that he could play anywhere. If they came and they asked him to play left field, I really don't think it's going to affect him. I really don't think it's something that we will see a dip in performance for Jonathan India. Dude's mentally tough, right? We always say grit. He's a dude. He's a guy. That's Ball Jonathan player. India to a T. Yeah, and, and you know what, Jeff? I mean, what he's doing right now, in the last seven games, he's got a slash line of of 290, 324, 516. Over the last 30 games, that slash line looks like 288, 358, 449. This is one of the engines of this lineup. Yeah. And 
whatever's going on behind the scenes, I, I, I hope they don't alienate the relationship. You know, we saw this with Chris Bryant in Chicago for a lot of different reasons. We don't want that to happen. But I really feel like the best version of the Reds moving forward is where you have as many players as possible that can play as many positions as possible to always be able to finagle the lineup to get your best version of the lineup on the field when you can take into account injuries and tiredness and rest days and etc cetera, etc cetera. Uh, I, I don't have a problem with them asking Jonathan India to do more but this trade talk and and especially the naysayers for this rebuild they want to continue to talk about oh well the Reds you know that's all they do is trade away their good players well that's the only way that this particular franchise is going to compete the ones that they can extend have to be traded but only with two years of team control. This is very premature conversation to be having about Jonathan India, which is why I'm so concerned that everybody in the local media is talking about it. And I feel like there's a case to be made about like, you know, what the future of this roster looks like. And, and if India fits into it, 2024, 2025, 2026, India is the key person in this lineup, 2023. And I feel like if any trade is to be made, they should really put it off into the off season and not mess with what's going on right now, because we've talked about it before and we'll repeat it today. The division is there for the taking. They have a yeah. shot. They, they really need to be focused on that and, and, and not try to sabotage themselves in a year where the team is going to get better just based on call-ups and based on guys coming back from injury. They don't have to stretch and trade for a lot of guys here. They just need to make sure everything stays in place and the team continues to play with as much chemistry as they've shown. And the only way you do that is you make sure that all of the moves that you're about to make, the call-ups that you're about to do fit around Jonathan India, not moving him out of here so you can bring those guys up. Jeff, tomorrow, today, today is the last day of May. The Reds are 25 and 29, but only three games back of the Milwaukee Brewers. Mm. And we have a four-game set coming up against those Brewers at Great American Ballpark. I can't wait. This is an exciting time. Did you think we would be having meaningful June baseball this season at Great American Ballpark? I was coming to town for Zach Brown, and I'm walking into the middle of a division battle. Yeah. I never in a million years would have thought that was going to happen. No, uh, 100%. Listen, Jeff, the, the Cincinnati Reds aren't leading the way in many offensive statistics. Uh, they're not a leader in a lot of stats. And yet they have a crazy streak of scoring a lot of runs. Coming up next, you're going to tell us why this lineup is not as bad as some of the stats would lead you to believe. We're going to get into all that coming up right after this. The Reds and the Red Sox get going at 7.10 p.m. Eastern time tonight. You can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just download the app and search the word Reds. Uh, you can follow this podcast on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. Click subscribe. Click the notification bell. You will never miss an episode. In between shows, you can follow us on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr. That's Jeff with three Fs because as I tell you all the time, spelling is hard for him. You can also follow the show at Locked on Reds. So make sure you are subscribed. All right, Jeffrey, tell me about the statistical oddities of the Cincinnati Reds. So it's something that we've talked about a lot this season. They don't have the power, right? They, they just, there's something about this lineup that 
they, they, they can't hit home runs as much. And in fact, the statistics bear that out. They're 28th in major league baseball in hitting home runs. And they're even worse than that. I think there's only like one or two teams that have uh, more or no less road homers than that. Sorry. I, something just, yeah. Okay. We're good. Lost my place there for a minute. Um, but there's only a couple of teams that have less road homers than the Reds do. But the the thing with the Reds lineup is they do not get cheated in their at-bats. And they're going to continue to be a pesky lineup for opposing pitchers to deal with. And it all starts with their plate discipline as a team. You know, one of the things that we keep talking about with this lineup and with the with the youth movement, the youngsters, the the players being caught up. You can't tell me you watch a Matt McClain at bat right now and think that's a guy that got here two weeks ago. Yeah. Nobody looks at him and says that, right? I mean, you there you look at him and he is polished. And you look at Jonathan India and and you would never suspect the way that he's playing right now that this is a guy going into his third season that really struggled last year. Like they look like every single person is putting up professional at bats, really making the opposing pitchers work for it. And I Matt McClain right now, Jeff listen, I gotta tell you, we didn't talk about this when you you flashed that graphic earlier on the YouTube feed. Um I am just so excited about what he's been able to do since he was called up. He has delivered on everything that he told me he was going to do between the time I talked to him last season. And right now he looks every bit the major league ball player. And I, I am here for it. Yeah. He, I mean, he was making some amazing plays in the field and on the base paths on the uh, Tuesday night win against the Red Sox. I just, he was a guy, and I even tweeted this out. I'm like, if you knew nothing about the Cincinnati Reds roster and you came in and you watched a game and you ask somebody, hey, how long has that dude been playing shortstop for the Cincinnati Reds? Pretty sure you'd be really surprised by the answer because you'd thought he'd have been here for multiple years. Like Matt McClain is just a part of this. The top third of the Reds order is just insanely pesky and their on base percentage bears out where the rest of the team is because believe it or not, Steve, the Reds are fourth in major league baseball in on base percentage. There are only three teams that have a better on base percentage than them. And I think they're all, uh, if I remember right, they're all three American league teams. And look, the Reds are 18th in runs scored. They're 20th in slugging percentage. So people look at those stats and they just say, what is this team? Are we really that worried about their lineup? You go ask Boston. You go ask Chicago what they're thinking about this Reds. Line. You go ask the Cardinals what they think about this Reds lineup. They're all going to say, you can't sleep on them. And the reason for it, Steve, the biggest thing for me, and you can watch this with the eye test. This is just a, a statistical bearing of this. They have the third lowest percentage of swinging at pitches that are outside the strike zone. These guys don't get cheated. And, and that leads to the fact that it puts them in the top 10 in Major League Baseball in walk rate because exactly. they're being selective at the plate. And that's how you've got to do it. If you take all of those numbers and, and look at them collectively in, in one great big lens, they're low on power, which means they have to play small ball, which means you have to get guys on base, and then you have to be selective. And that's what they're doing. The numbers say that's exactly what they're doing, which is what makes them so fun to watch every single night. You never quite know what you're going to get when this team takes the field. 
it's a box of chocolates. Yeah, I, I, I think too. The like the lineup is a part of it, but the base running is also a huge part as well. It's it's things like that though that make me think there is a sustainability to the run scoring. Yeah, sure. Five of the last six games, or no? F- yeah, no, no, no. I had that right. Five of the last six games. It's late. Five of the last six games, they've scored eight or more runs. That, that that's probably not gonna. They're probably not gonna average eight runs a game and supplant the 27 Yankees as the best lineup ever, but they're probably going to be in pretty much any game they play. I don't care who's pitching against them. Like this lineup is going to constantly be causing issues. You're going to, we saw it early on in the game, Brian, Brian Bayo, and I cannot say that guy's name to save my life, but Brian Bayo was at 85 pitches in the fourth inning. And he finished the fourth inning with a strikeout, and you see him come off the mound, and he's like fist pumping, he's super happy. And then the fifth inning begins for the Red Sox, and they have a reliever on the mound. It's just like, no, the Reds lineup got this dude out as quick as they possibly could because they're like, we know you got good stuff, but you're going to throw all of it against us. They don't get cheated. And I think a big reason for it is we don't have the Aquinos anymore. And Jose Barrero figured out how to not chase every single pitch that came plate word. And you see that. And then you add in guys like Friedel and India and McLean, and you're going to be adding it. I mean, Spencer steer and Tyler Stevenson. These guys just don't get cheated, man. You can't beat them by throwing them junk and thinking they're going to swing at it. Well, they are certainly fun to watch and it's definitely going to be fun to watch the rest of this series. Uh, listen, Jeff, there is a chance that they're going to come into this series against the Milwaukee Brewers and be able to move into first place in the That's National amazing League. amazing to so think. If things shake out correctly. And that is probably a good spot to wrap it up. Before we get out of here, don't forget, you can catch every pitch of the Reds' hometown broadcast against uh, the Red Sox uh, with SiriusXM. Just download the SXM app and search the word Reds. Wrap us up, Jeff. That'll wrap up this edition of the Locked On Reds podcast. Thanks, as always, for making us your first listen every day. Every day is coming up tomorrow on the show. Going to look ahead because we're talking about a lineup. We're talking about a roster that's in flux. We said it at the beginning of the season. It's going to be in flux. What's it going to look like at the All-Star break? Because maybe around the All-Star break, you're talking about the return of one Joseph Daniel Votto and... You might be talking about Christian Encarnacion Strand being in the major leagues. Like, there's so much that's going on here. What will it look like at the All-Star break? We'll pontificate on that tomorrow. But until then, as the Reds are finishing up in Boston, and hopefully, like you said, Steve, we're going to be going for the division title, or at least the lead, this weekend against the Milwaukee Brewers. What can people expect from me and you? Well, they can expect me and you to continue to try and figure out this roster, continue to anticipate the moves, watch for the rumors, listen for the scoops, monitor the transactions, and gather up all that information and report back with it right here to keep you locked on Reds every single day. I'm glad you didn't ask me for help how to pronounce the names. Yeah.